Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I probably would have announcements and stuff, but I'm actually not going to. I'm just going to invite Clayton on up to just come and um, um, start speaking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add this, say this. Because some of you are newer to our church, and so you might be like, wow, they don't take that five or ten minute to do offerings. No, we don't. Um, we do believe in that, and it is very biblical to give. It is very biblical to give and, and sow into what God is doing. But we don't give that time in the service here to, to teach on that. What we do is teach on prophetic. We teach on worship. We teach on prayer. Because what you teach, you're going to get. And God has, first of all, called us to be worshippers and called us to be prophetic people, first and foremost, who's called us to be prophetic people and live by revelation. And if we are prophetic people and we're loving him and worshipping him and praying and living by his prophetic words, then we'll just be givers. So that's why we don't really take time so to I do it. Take an offering now? No. <laughs> so, so that's why we take the time here to do the prophetic yeah, and, right. and let people really move in that stuff. Yeah. Some people get to test out that muscle, right? Yeah. And it's really for that. You, you get what you teach. And we, yeah. I know the core identity of every believer is, first and foremost, is worshipper of the King of Heaven. And so we really value that and teach to that and speak to that yeah. and pray for that. And, and then also the prophetic grabbing, the re, you know, um, receiving it, knowing how to give one, knowing how to interpret it, and live it, apply prophetic words, right? So that's what we do. People, that was my announcement. <laughs> okay, I'll sit down. <laughs> I love you, Romy. Very cool. How are you? Man, I get asked sometimes, how long is worship for you guys? Like they're trying to gauge, I don't know. And I just said, um, eternity. But if you're asking how long we sing as opposed to talk and drink coffee, I don't know what to tell you, you know. Might be an hour and a half. Certainly won't be 15 minutes, but um, I just love, I love Jesus. Um, a couple of things before we get started, and uh, I'll kind of have an abbreviated version because my words don't matter so much. Um, and I, and I, I pray, and I pray now, Lord, I, I pray that these are your words, not mine. And I pray that um, as heaven speaks, that I can hear, and I can just be an echo of what you're already saying in Jesus' name. You know, Rumi talked about the offering. I wasn't going to give an offering today. I was just joking. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. But uh, I just want to thank you for your continued generosity as a church. And, you know, we don't exist because people give. We exist because God called us to do something, and we obeyed Him, and we did it, and He provides. But um, giving is a part of being a disciple of Jesus, and it, it flows out of the generous heart that he has for us. And so um, for your tithes and your offerings that you guys have consistently given, I just want to say thank you for that. That's given to the kingdom. That's not just given to Seashore Church. Um, but one of the things that that allows us to do, this is why I'm saying this, by the way, is because we, we, we've had three full-time staff on our, our church our little church, that's me uh, and Romy. Uh, we kind of split one full-time wage, but we essentially work full-time. And Paul, our pastor in Turkey, are the full-time staff that, that we have. But as of tomorrow, we are bringing on part-time pastoral staff, Akeem Prosser. 
So welcome to Keem. We're very excited about that. We have an apostolic team, not just a pastoral team. Some of those are pastors, some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists. And so we have an apostolic team, and I'm going to switch this, Nico, is that all right? Can I get Remy's mic? Where was her mic? She just left with it. Is it this one? Is that it? There we go. Thank you. That little microphone headpiece drives me insane. So um, anyway, so Akeem um, and his wife Yasmina are, are two of our pastors that have been serving in that role for probably a couple of years now. Um, but we've just gotten to the point where all this stuff just can't come down to Romy and me. And I don't just mean the, the, the ministry side because, my gosh, all of you are empowered to do ministry, right? Um, but Akeem's coming on our part-time staff role to assist in a pastoral role of helping to build teams, do some of the pastoral care in church life, kind of help me with systems. I'm a systems guy, but he's way better at that sort of stuff. It's just kind of helping to be more efficient in what we're doing in church life as we continue to, to grow and some specific areas in personal finance. Akeem is a uh, certified, is that right, CFP certified? I don't know what you'd call it. What do we call it? A financial planner. Thank you. He's a financial planner. And so he's not going to necessarily sit down with you and give you free financial planning advice. But we've been talking about putting together a program uh, to help people with their personal finances, just how to manage your own personal finances. And so um, he's in the process of putting together one of those that we'll probably do as a teaching night series for us. Because how many think that would be a pretty good thing, very practical thing? And it's a biblical thing, too, because we're taught to be good stewards of what God's given us. And so congratulations, Akeem. We're excited to have you. Um, I don't know that it means anything different that we're finally going to pay you something for what you've been doing for a while. And uh, the rest of our pastors, hang in there with you. Hang in there. Hang in there. And he's bivocational as well, too, so he's going to continue doing the business side of stuff. I was thinking this week, oh, I'm sorry. Also, we want to pray for Saphir and Emily. They have been trying to get into Canada for Saphir's sister's wedding, and Canada has been saying no, and we're praying they say yes. So in the name of Jesus, we declare those doors to that country open in Jesus' name. We pray for the decision makers on the entry in there to be moved. God, you move the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. You move the heart of... Of, of other kings, God, that were enemies of the people of God. I'm not saying Canada's an enemy, but you can move the heart of a king, move the heart of an elected official, a leader, uh, a prime minister, those who have the form on their desk. You can change their hearts despite what the current condition is. And we pray for an open door in Jesus' name. We thank you for Rachel's wedding coming up. We pray a blessing on her, but we pray you open up those doors in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Also, welcome to Alicia's entire family who is visiting here. So great to have you guys along. And I'll tell you what, this is a resort city. It is a great place to come on vacation. Way better to live here. That's all I'm saying. Way, way better living here than visiting here. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. <laughs> Slowly we're getting all the Lewins and the whole family. One by one. John chapter 7, verse 37. 
Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Another version, the New American Standard Bible, which is like a word-for-word translation, says from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So where the NIV is kind of a thought-for-thought translation, it describes it as um, rivers of living water will flow from within him, kind of the same thing. But I want you to hear the word-for-word is from his innermost being. Like from the deepest place in you will flow rivers of living water. This is what Jesus promised for us. If you're a believer in Jesus, then we should be filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. If we are following Him, then the condition of our heart should be that it is filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Not the occasional moment when we feel it, when the song hits just right, when all of my life circumstances are, are, are good, when the anointed man of God lays his hands upon me. No, any believer in Jesus, the normal state of your heart should be from the deepest places of your heart. What flows out is rivers of living water. Not trickles, not stagnant pools, but rivers of living water. What does that look like? Well, a heart like that is marked by power and it's marked by presence. That when I have rivers of living water flowing from me, it's got nothing to do with my personality. It's got nothing to do with the way I dress, the people I hang out with, the church I go to, how much I tithe, how many teams I served on. It's marked by the power and presence of God. And it is very evident. It's very evident when you've got a flow of rivering water, like I'm going to mess that phrase up a hundred times, a flow of living water, there you go, coming from the deepest parts. You know, sometimes when I feel like there's something coming out, but it's pretty shallow, like you go a little bit deeper and you're not going to like what you get. But for the hour and a half or three and a half hours, however long church is going to be for you today. However it is, like, I'm good then, but by the time I get to lunch, man, I'm having, whew, there's a different side of me because it just was on the surface. Do you know what I mean? Like, I had just enough kind of living water to put on the good face on Sundays to look like the Christian I want to be. But as soon as I get home, my kids see the real me. But the Bible promises if you believe in Jesus from the innermost, the deepest part flows rivers of living water. And it's marked by the power and the presence of God. You know, I experienced this in Turkey. It was quite funny. I, um, there, there's, uh, when Liam and I were just over there a couple of weeks ago visiting Paul, and we were in the church that he's been attending and helping um, that we've been partnering with while we've been there. And there was this woman who uh, was leading worship, didn't speak a word of English, but then she emceed the sir emceed, that's a very Christ, uh, churchy term, isn't it? She was uh, like what Romy did. When she came up, she was doing announcements and stuff, and it was all in Turkish. 
And I'm just like, who is this woman? Like, who is this lady? And I, I asked Paul later, I was like, that woman is just like, is Jesus coming out of her like crazy? And he just smiled. He goes, I know. We call her the Turkish Romy. <laughs> and I laughed. And, and because I just went, I don't understand a word she said. But I tell you what, there was power and there was presence. When she led worship, there was rivers of living water flowing from her. When she just, whatever she said in Turkish, she could have been cussing in Turkish. I don't know, but... I got fed by rivers of living water, even though I didn't even speak the language. That's not just for those special anointed people. It's for every believer in Jesus. Rivers of living water. You know, we've taught people that when you, when you endeavor to hear the voice of God, you've got to pay attention to the flow. Like, pay attention to what's coming out of you. Because often God's voice is... Like, how do, I, how do I know that's God's voice? How do I know that's not the devil? How do I know that's not me? How do I know that's not other people? Well, God's voice often sounds like the, the random thoughts I have when I'm primarily focused on Jesus. So when I turn my eyes upon Jesus, look full upon his wonderful face, when I, when I am engaged with him and thinking about him and, and turning my attention towards him, then the random thoughts that pop up in my head are usually not so random. That's often God's voice. But if my attention is not on Jesus, if my attention is on all the things of the world, then I will follow the loudest and most convincing voice of the world instead of actually paying attention to the flow that's coming up from within me. But when I'm focused on Jesus, and gee, how do you focus on Jesus? Well, there's two great ways, worship and prayer. Those are the focus that we put on him. Then I can pay attention and notice the random thoughts, the thoughts I thought were so random, you can have random thoughts. Not every random thought is God. How many of you are glad because of that? Okay, y'all don't have random thoughts like me? All right. But when I'm focused on him, then often what I thought was a random thought, I begin to learn as part of the flow of the spirit within me. So where's God's voice coming from? Is it coming from heaven to me? God's voice is coming from the Spirit in me, flowing out. So when I focus on Him, I pay attention to the flow. Now, if you've noticed that the flow coming out of you doesn't sound a whole lot like Jesus, well, let's work on the flow a little bit. And that's what I'm going to help you with. I've been there, trust me, okay? In fact, um, I've got, I, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm writing a message on this struggling with it because there's not a whole lot of good flow that was coming out of me this week. And, you know, when you get in that moment and you're like, I don't feel anything coming out. It either feels dry or it feels polluted. And it's funny because my water filters went bad on my uh, kitchen sink, the under-the-sink water filters, and I'm like, all right, God, I get it. I get, I get the point, you know. I've got to replace my filter. That's not one of my points. That's a bonus one. Maybe that's next week. But I have learned that, if I don't have rivers of living water flowing from me, or if it's running a bit shallow, maybe there's some coming out, but it's not coming from the innermost part. You, you, you do know, the innermost. You know the thing that keeps you from coming to church when it gets touched? 
Do you know that thing? When it starts to come out and you go, staying home today, I'll tell them I was sick. But really, it's the thing that God touched in your heart. And you know what it looks like. And if you show up, you're going, if anybody else sees that, I can't hide anymore. And I've got I've to I've appear to have living water. Man, you don't have to appear to do anything. When I find that what's coming out of me is not what I read about that Jesus came to give me, then it's time to figure out what got stuck. Something is keeping rivers of living water from flowing from me because I'm supposed to have that. That's the normal state of a disciple. That's the normal condition of a heart that believes in Jesus is that from the deepest part, what flows is refreshing, it doesn't stop, and it's alive. So if that's not what's coming out, I don't have to go get it to put it in. I've got to figure out what else got in there that's keeping the flow from coming out. Am I making sense at all? It's another scripture I believe the Lord gave me. Galatians chapter 5. And I want to start in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, everybody say but. Oh, I'm glad there's a but. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Do you know what forbearance is? It's patience. Forbearance sounded great, so I went, what is that again? Oh, it's patience. Daggone it. Why does that have to be in this list? Do you know why? Because I feel the clock. Like, I'm in worship, and I, I gotta, I'm looking, Romy doesn't even wear a flipping watch, you know what I mean? And I'm in church, and I'm going, I love worship, but I'm feeling the clock, you know what I mean? I'm feeling it for you, all right? It's for your benefit that I feel the clock. I know you got lunch plans, I know you got family from out of town, I know you brought friends, and you're like, it might go a little long, and then you're like, I didn't know it was going to be this long. I feel the clock. And then I found myself in the middle of worship, focusing on Jesus. And I told him, I said, God, I don't want to feel something you don't feel. How do you feel? He goes, yeah, I wish they stopped worshiping me too because it's making them uncomfortable. Has God ever been sarcastic with you before? So I found myself lacking forbearance. And God goes, hey, I'm, I'm fine, are you? Well, I am now. And then five minutes later, it happens again. Yeah, but the kids are getting antsy. Lord, how are you feeling right now? I think kids are fine. Okay. Like, it's a constant Check in. Do you know what I mean? What am I doing? 
I'm allowing him to touch the parts of my heart that are not bearing the fruit that I'm supposed to be bearing. I'm letting him show me the areas of my heart that either need to be healed, removed, or changed, or whatever it has to do, but it's standing in the way of the rivers flowing from me, and it's keeping me from bearing the fruit that I'm supposed to bear. And so right in the middle of worship, I know you're over there, Clayton's just lost in worship. I'm like, no, I'm doing some business with Jesus right now, because I, in the middle of worship, had something located in my heart that just went, oh, wow. I'm feeling something. God, do you feel this? No, I don't feel this. Oh, okay. Well, can you, I repent of this thing. Can you help me feel what you feel? I'm telling you, I I only want to think what God thinks about things. Think. I only want to think what he thinks about things. God, what do you think about this? That's a great question to ask. I only want to feel what God feels about things. I only want to see what God sees. Now I know when I look in the mirror, I don't usually see what God sees. I know that when I think about me, I don't always think about what God thinks. And so I can't change my thinking I need to get his thinking into my head. God, what is it you see when you look at me? Because if I can't see myself the way God sees me, I promise you I won't see you the way he sees you. And often the way we see others is more a reflection of how we see ourselves and how we interpret our own world. I only want to love like God loves I only want to live like God lives. But in order to do that, there's moments right in the middle of praise and worship. How many of you love it when worship is so long you got to take two pee breaks in the middle of it? Was that TMI right there? All right, sorry about that. I'm 51, all right? I drink a lot of water. That's all I'm saying. But in the middle of worship, doing business with God, You know why? Because the fruit that I saw wasn't the fruit that's in this list. Disciples should bear fruit. It's normal and it's expected. You see, Paul lists in Galatians 5 all these things we're not supposed to have. But it's not so much about getting rid of the bad stuff. It's about bearing the good stuff. The problem is you can't bear fruit in one if you're bearing fruit in the other. But we're meant to bear good fruit. The word in Greek is karpos. And the word karpos means that which originates from. And in fact, the reference to spiritual fruit here is that it results from two life streams. Okay, The life stream, number one, is the life of God in me. And it's the life that yields fruit, eternal fruit. It's both His life in me and the life that it produces in me. Does that make sense? By the way, what is an apple tree? Who are the apples for? Do you ever see an apple tree eating apples? (laughs) No. The fruit's for everybody else. I just want to say the patience that God is teaching me is for you. It's not for me. It's for your benefit. 
<laughs> but you know that word is also singular as well? Carpos. It's singular. It's the fruit, not the fruits. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit. So these things, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that's one fruit. It's not a fruit salad. <laughs> you get fruit salads, like you order a fruit salad. You go to a breakfast place, and you're like, do you want the fruit or the toast? And you're like, I'll have the fruit salad. And they give you those red grapes. Who wants grapes at a fruit salad? Like, or, or just some weird fruit, and you're like, I'm, I'll take the apple that got cut up three days ago, and I don't know what it tastes like. It's not an apple. There's some banana in there. That looks good. Some kiwi. Oh, that looks good. Some oranges are good, but I don't want the grapes. I feel like sometimes we treat the fruit of the Spirit like that fruit salad. Love, oh, yeah, peace, joy, yep, yep, patience. Nope, that's going to go. Um, what about this one? Oh, self-control, maybe next week. You know, we, we try to pick and choose the fruit that we want to bear. Or, or we look at a list like this and we think, well, I got three out of four, woohoo, or three out of however many that is, like I'm doing pretty good. But it doesn't work like that. It's all or none. But there's been moments in my life when I can look at that list and I can go, I got some love, I got some joy, a peace, kindness, okay, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I've got some of them, but I don't have all of them. Has anybody ever kind of? Now, I've I got to be careful when I do this. If I took a list, that's the same list right here, right? And I put little tick boxes next to it, like we've done here. And I were to gauge my life on how much of this I'm exhibiting in my life right now. What would this look like? Like if I just put a tick box next to, yes, I am bearing love in my life. Like love is not an issue for me. I got to be careful. I'm really type A, really competitive. I don't do well on grading things. Like I'm in grad school right now, and if they didn't give me grades, I'd probably learn a whole lot more. But I have to fight this urge in me that anything less than 100 is not good enough and just go after the grade, and uh, it doesn't always work well for me. So I'm not grading myself here. Do you understand that? But I'm taking an honest look at my own heart and say, is flowing out of my heart love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? So if you were to have a list like this, and you were to print one out, and you were sitting there right now, have a look at those various aspects of fruit, and don't ask yourself. Maybe, maybe ask the Lord. Some of those will be evident to you. But maybe ask the Lord, are there any of these that are lacking right now in my own heart? Could be all of them are lacking. And if you were to tick a box next to the one, I'd say Australian, isn't it? Tick a box. What will we say? Check put a check mark. Does tick a box make sense to you guys? All right. Tick a box. If you were to tick a box and then throw it in your boot and then throw a shrimp on the barbie, what would that look like? If you, if you were to, uh, if you were to put a tick mark next to that, what would that list look like? Now let me ask you to do something else. Take that same list
Would you fill that out for me? Can I tell you, that's what kingdom family looks like. It means that I can take that list and I think I'm doing great. But when I hand it to my wife, when I hand it to my brother, to my sister, how am I doing in this area? And they can help me with that. It's not from a judgmental, you're not doing good enough. But it's, there's more to be had. So if you're not feeling patience in your life right now, there's patience available for you. Not you better get patient. Because the point is you can't get it. This isn't coming from you. It's coming from the Spirit of God within you. The rivers of living water flowing from you will bear this fruit in your life in increasing measure. Mean you're getting more of it every year. I'm increasing in faith every year. The fruit is an extension of the vine to which it's attached. John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. So the fruit that we bear, first of all, is by staying connected to the branch. That means you are a believer. You trust Jesus. You believe him. But I've had to ask myself at times, am I experiencing all of this fruit at the same time? Am I experiencing this fruit in my marriage? in my personal life, or do I just try to put it on display when I get up here? And if I'm not, then something got stuck. The truth is we need to be more than just free. We need to be flowing. We need to bear fruit because God has called us to dry places to bring that water that we have. Isaiah chapter 11 Verse 2 says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. This is a prophecy about Jesus. That same Spirit that rested on him now lives in us. Okay, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Those are all the things the Holy Spirit does for us. The same Spirit that fills us is also the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Do you understand? You are not the Spirit of wisdom. You are not the Spirit of understanding. It's God's Spirit in you. So when I lack wisdom, when I lack understanding, when I can't see what got stuck, I don't look to myself. I go, Spirit of wisdom, Spirit of understanding me, Understanding, would you search me and know me and see if there's any unclean way within me? And the spirit that searches all things, even the deep things of God, will search your heart. He will put his finger on what is stopping the flow, and he will show you so that you can deal with it. It's the greatest cheat code of a spiritual life you will ever have. The Holy Spirit is the speech code for rivers of living water to flow from you. So why do we resist him when he puts his finger on something? I think we do because we don't realize it's him doing it. And you know what happens? We cast all that on somebody else. Well, you got to stop being critical of me. I didn't say anything. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit that put his finger on it. If I'm critical, can I just say it was the Holy Spirit? That, no, that's something that wouldn't be fair. So let me show you two things as we finish today that I think are the most common areas that create a dam in our heart. The things that 
stop up the flow, to keep us from bearing fruit. Number one, big surprise, it's sin. Sin will stop the flow. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16 says, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. So what's Isaiah saying? Stop doing wrong. It's repentance. Repentance from sin is what helps to unstop the flow. I know you hear from me all the time. I'm sorry. God won't let me stop teaching this ever. But repentance, what does repentance mean? Stop doing wrong. I think I shared last week when Jesus was with the woman caught in the act of adultery and all the religious people of the day wanted to stone her to death, wanted to kill her. Where's the man? Who knows? But she's there and God forgives her of her sin and the others go away because he begins to write in the dirt and says, he without sin, let him cast the first stone. You know that one? Everyone loves that one. Everyone loves the fact that she had all these accusers on her. And Jesus told the accusers, well, if you don't have any sin, then you cast the first stone. We love that part. We love when Jesus went to all the accusers. We live in a society where if you, if you make any stand whatsoever, then you are accused of being unjust. You're accused of being unloving, unchristian. I love how people who have no idea who Jesus is calls Christians unchristian-like. Now, these religious people were wrong. Don't get me wrong. But we read that story now, and we love the fact that Jesus had a go at those who wanted to call out the sin of someone else. So Jesus calls out their hypocrisy, and they leave, and he's having this beautiful moment with this woman caught in the act of adultery. And he forgives her of her sin. But do you know what he tells her when he forgives her? Go and sin no more. Do you think Jesus ever asks us to do things or tells us to do things that we're incapable of doing? That wouldn't be fair, would it? But he told this woman, go and sin no more. Look, I'm still human. Like, Jesus is the only one who didn't sin. But he's telling her to live a life that does not sin any longer. The truth is, we can't do that on our own. But with the guidance and counsel of the Holy Spirit, what it means is, if we do sin, it doesn't become habitual sin. We don't fall into a pattern of sin. Because we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And how do we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? It's because we're focusing on Jesus a lot. And when we do, we pay attention to the flow. And we hear his voice that goes, there's a sin issue in your life. Hebrews chapter 12 in the New Testament says it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Throw off the sin. Sin so easily entangles. The littlest bit of sin, it so easily entangles. And the writer of Hebrews says, throw it off. So what sin am I talking about? I'm talking about the sin of idolatry. I don't worship idols. Well, maybe let me put a different definition of what an idol is. An idol is anything I turn to for identity, protection, or provision other than God. Anything that I turn to for identity protection, or provision other than God 
is an idol. If your 401k is what you're depending on, that's an idol if it's above God. If that 44 Magnum you've got in your dresser in case somebody breaks into your house is your only feeling of protection, you've got an idol. Anything that I put above God for identity, protection, or provision is an idol. I met with somebody recently, and we were talking about some business stuff that they've got going on and some real challenges that they're facing. And they had faced challenges in their business years ago as well. And so sometimes when you have one failed business and then the next one is struggling, you know the feelings that can bring up of, oh, God, not again. But yet I sense something different about this person. This was a while ago, and I remember thinking, what did you do back then that allowed you to take the risk again for a new business? And this is what this person said. He goes, I just kept repenting of the idolatry of money. You didn't have any. He goes, yeah, no. But the Lord had put his finger on an area of my heart where I had made money an idol, even when I didn't have it. And when I cut down the idolatry, the idol of money in my own heart, then I was filled with the courage to start the new business. And so I'm talking to this person who's facing challenges in business again. That still can be a little bit stressful. But can I tell you, he doesn't have that idol. Because he's learned to sacrifice the idolatry of money, therefore he steps into this new thing with faith, with the assurance that no matter what happens, God is with me. I don't know what's going to happen with this business, but at least I'm not worshiping an idol. And I felt this man's living water flowing from within him. They may not see it. They may not feel it. But there were rivers of living water falling from him. You, I'm not talking about John and Marcy, but I'm thinking about John and Marcy. Try to run a catering business during COVID. When 95% of their business, they lost in one week because all the weddings got canceled. Yet look where we are now. I promise you in that season, they were not building an idolatry to money. Cut down the idols. Now, another one, the sin of fear. The sin of fear. What is fear? Fear is faith. You know that, right? Fear is faith. But fear is faith that the worst thing is going to happen. Like when you paint out the worst possible scenario, fear is the faith that the worst possible thing will actually happen. And God wants to deal with the sin problem in our heart of fear. Fear is sin. I don't say that judgmentally, but fear is sin. Fear is sin. Fear is sin. Because it lacks faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. But where sin was the problem, Jesus is the solution. The worst sins you've done, even the ones you haven't done yet, they were on the cross on Calvary on Jesus' body. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you want to increase the flow, be an expert repenter. An expert. Be the expert. 
The second one, and we'll finish with this, oh my gosh, is unforgiveness. 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 Unforgiveness will stop the flow. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. If any of you has a grievance against against someone. Do, Do you know what I see when I read that? I have a grievance against someone. In other words, I have a good reason why I feel the way that I feel about them. Lord, if you knew what they did, oh, you do. You do know what they did. Okay. Well, you saw it, so it justifies the way I feel about them. But when I'm really focusing on Jesus and worship and prayer, and instead of praying at someone else, I'm asking the Lord, would you search me and know me? God, how do you feel about this person? God's not offended by their offense towards me. But God's already forgiven them of the offense that they've done. And if I want to feel what he feels, then I need to feel the heart of a forgiving father that forgives every single time. I want to feel what you feel. I don't always feel it. And I don't have to feel it before I forgive. You understand those feelings follow obedience. Don't wait for the feeling of forgiveness before you forgive. Listen to this. There is a direct connection between our forgiveness of others and the fruit and the flow that we experience. Forgiving others does not excuse their behavior. It doesn't make what they did right. But it releases us from the soul ties to the offense that stop the flow and the fruit. You want to have a good marriage? Anybody? Become an expert forgiver. Be, you can. An expert. I'm trying not to make contact with any married people right now. So I'm just like scanning the room. Put a big mirror right here. Be an expert forgiver. Just because you've been married 23 years like we have doesn't mean things just get better. They get better when you become an expert forgiver. And I know many of your stories. And I see people in this room that have learned to become expert forgivers. And because of that, I've seen God heal some of the deepest wounds that can happen in a marriage. And marriages that are thriving today because two people learn to forgive themselves and learn to forgive each other as God forgave them. You can be the expert. Love always forgives. It always forgives. So I want to pray. We had a prophetic word on Friday night in one of our house churches that I do believe was from the Lord for us. And that is that there is a grieving over the church that will not surrender. That will not understand the depths of surrender that are required to see healing and to see revival in our land. 
if you feel what the Lord feels. I believe we would be grieving over that too. When Jesus walked this earth, he said he looked on the people and he was moved with compassion because he saw a people who were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so in response, he laid down his life for sheep. The shepherd, the man in charge who could have called 10,000 angels to rescue him off of that cross, who could have established his kingdom by force, chose to lay down his life He surrendered his will for the will of the Father. Not my will, but thine be done. And in doing so, provided for the salvation of all of us. But he also set us an example. If you want the God kind of life, you got to lay yours down first. Stop trying to make your life better. And lay it down to pick up his life flowing in you. And if that's the desire of your heart tonight, today, it's almost tonight, I'm going to encourage you to lay down your life by giving your heart to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I fully surrender my heart to you. And I give all of me to you. I'm just saying these words, but if it's the prayer of your heart, just pray it between you and God right now. I surrender my heart to you. I give my life to you. Lord, if there's any area of my heart that's stopping up the flow of living water flowing from me, if there's any area of sin that's keeping me from bearing fruit, if there's anyone I need to forgive, would you show me? Would you show me? And whatever he revealed to you, for some it was a name just now. Could have been a couple of names. If it's somebody you need to forgive, would you just say, God, I forgive them. In Jesus' name, I forgive them. Say it by name. You can say it to yourself, especially if they're sitting next to you. You can just say it between you and God. And if there's any sin that God's located in your life, just say, God, I repent of that sin. And I receive your forgiveness for everything that I've ever done. Now fill me anew with your spirit. Help me to hear your voice, to pay attention to the flow that comes from within me. Because even the slightest trickle of the Holy Spirit that begins to bubble up and flow out of you also contains all of him and all of his voice. And as it begins to come out, he's like, there's more. You need to forgive. Repent of the idolatry of money. And as you begin to do those things, you'll feel the flow come more and more and more. Our world is very dry. But in you, there's a stream that never runs dry.
Our world needs the water that is in you. Jesus is the answer. And we are the vessels that carry living water. We have the treasure in these jars of clay. I don't know how many years I have on this earth, but I get to alter eternity with what God's given me. And if you determine to not just live free, but to bear fruit and to have God's power flowing through you and His presence with you, our world will not be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 